Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out your wings. slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to another episode of the Snakebird Podcast. We're smack dab in the middle of the Easter season, and we've decided to take time and focus on Jesus and his finished work on the cross. In today's podcast, we want to analytically and biblically discuss the purpose of the cross, What does it mean? Why is it such a big part of our belief system? And then things like, what would be the consequence if there was no cross? Yeah, this is a really important topic because I think some out there may have questions about why we ever even needed someone to die on a cross for us or what that even means. So whether you're a believer who's already settled this topic or someone who has never understood what the cross really accomplished, Josh and I believe it's crucial to remember why the cross is such a landmark in human history. So, Josh, why don't you give us a little recap of what we've already seen so far um, as we near this Easter um, climax? Sure. Yeah. So, okay, if you were listening to the last episode, we talked about the final week of Jesus, and we talked about him going and cleansing the temple, and then we talked about the Passover and him initiating, like, washing of feet, and then even communion. And then we saw him get arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, which then triggered the uh, six trials, the three religious and then the three political. And we saw Pilate and Herod. And then we saw Jesus be whipped and, and they were trying to take that pound of flesh. And then the whole crowd was chanting, crucify him. And they'd already set up a cross for a murderer named Barabbas. And that's a really interesting thing. His name means son of the father, which Jesus then took his place. And we see that he was led down the Via Della Rosa, carrying his own cross, carrying the, the, the top beam, the cross beam. And there he was crucified on a place called Golgotha. And one of my favorite things out of the whole um, story is that when it's finally time and he has those seven sayings from the cross, his last one is tetelestai. It is finished. And he didn't say it with a whimper. The Bible says that he shouted it out, meaning it's a completed work. It's my masterpiece. And so today we want to discuss the purpose of the cross. And I love episodes like this because oftentimes once we've settled on our topic, we retreat to our study corners and then we come back and we are ready to duke it out. No, I just mean uh, (laughs) collaborate, you know, on what we've discovered or what we want to present. And so um, I think there's so much to talk about here. Yeah, absolutely. That, That last episode was so intense with what happened with Jesus. And as we were preparing for this episode, I, um, I was thinking to myself, you know, how's a good way to word this? What did the the cross accomplish? And one thing that came to my mind, to put it in a short definition, is the cross is the ultimate bridge connecting all of humanity to God for those who believe. And uh, basically, we we become righteous to God through the finished work of the cross. Yeah. And I was just kind of dwelling on that. And um, it's it can be simple yet complex, can it, Josh? It really can. Yeah. You know, you make me think of those illustrations. It's the chasm where it shows man on one side and God on the other. And then when Jesus came and he died on the cross, all of a sudden that cross goes into that chasm and becomes the bridge. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a good uh, visual. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. So um, one thing that really stuck out to me uh, as I was reading through Scripture 
is a particular word, and I actually mentioned this in a previous episode, but I didn't get the time to unpack it the way it needed to be. And uh, this word is propitiation. That's, that's kind of a, a tongue twister almost. Yeah, I feel like Dora the Explorer and say, can you say propitiation? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I've got kids, so that makes me laugh extra hard. That's great. Yeah. Well, propitiation is found in Romans 3, 23 through 25. And I'm going to read um, all those verses just for a little bit of a bird's eye. Uh, here we go. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. So you might be wondering if a simpler word could have been used like the word sacrifice. Um, But the reason this word is used here is because of how deep the concept is. Um, Like we said, it can be simple and complex what happened at the cross. Mm -hmm. And, um, if you're um, like a, a geek or whatever and you want to know the Greek word, it's a uh, hilasterion, if I didn't butcher that. I always butcher Greek words. <laughs> yeah, hilasterion is, um, is the word. And the definition and usage, uh, this is really interesting too. It's a sin offering by which the wrath of the deity shall be appeased. Now, that's very Webster. Yeah. But that says a lot in that definition. And I only found one other place where this word was used. And I, I think variants of the word exist elsewhere in scripture, but the way it's used here, I found only one other place and that's Hebrews chapter nine. Mm-hmm. And the word translates as mercy seat. Yeah. Which if you'll remember is where blood was sprinkled for the forgiveness of sins every year for Israel. Yeah. It was part of the Ark of the Covenant, right? Yeah. Which I mean has Deep, deep implications. Yeah. If you're an Old Testament geek, then you're nodding your head right now. Yeah, yeah. Because Hebrews goes on to show how Jesus entered the Holy of Holies as the great high priest and offered his own blood once and for all. Wow. Yeah. And when we accept Jesus through sincere faith, we're covered by that blood Mm. that he shed there. And we will not experience the wrath of God, which we deserve. So I found that just fascinating to see that um, that word propitiation. Yeah, not only is it a fun word to say, but it's also a very, very deep concept to grasp. And one of the ways that I've heard of it is the word atonement, you know, mm-hmm. the covering. And, and I feel like while that does some of it justice, it's not completely because you said the mercy seat. And I never saw it until we started preparing for this. I never saw it this way, but... Uh, the only way I can mention it is if you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. Nice. Okay. So the Nazis come and they're looking for the Ark of the Covenant and they open it and then faces start melting. And we know that, you know, we don't know where the Ark of the Covenant is today. Um, I do but know it, that scene scarred me as a child. <laughs> yeah. Because they use some crazy practical effects and yeah. that dude's eye. Okay. I do know that if I ever find the Ark, I'm not opening it. Yeah. Right. Because <laughs> that's like nightmare fuel. It's burned forever in my brain. Yeah. That dude's face melting. Um, but the the whole thing about the ark was it was holy and you mentioned um that once a year on the day of atonement the high priest could walk in and i think about how holy and reverent they were of it that they even had to tie ropes around the guy's ankle and they'd had bells on it because if he was unworthy if his sin wasn't covered then he would actually die going into the presence of God. Yeah. And they would have to use the rope to pull him out. Yeah. And then Jesus, our high priest, 
goes in once and for all and he sprinkles his own blood and says, it's done. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about that propitiation, that mercy seat, is that all of a sudden he goes in between the Ark of the Covenant and us. Because like the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the reason that they all their faces all melted was because they were exposed to it. Yeah. And that's exactly what we would be exposed to is the death of the law. The full weight of saying, can we live up to the law? Yeah. And then Jesus became that mercy seat that sits on top of it and goes in between us. He stands between us. And I, um, I saw this uh, example this week, and I thought this was such a cool story. It says that a, a teenager, a 17-year-old, was arrested for reckless driving in a rural community. And he was brought into the court. He was relieved to see that it was his father who was the presiding judge. An hour later, the judge rendered his decision. He said, your reckless driving has endangered the people of our community. Consequently, justice must be served. You will either pay $1,000 or you'll serve a year in jail. Dad, the boy said, you know I don't have a penny to my name. I'm broke. I spent it all trying to soup up my car and take my girlfriend out to the movies. Mm-hmm. And the, the judge looks at him and says, young man, even though it's his father, he says, in this court, you will address me as your honor. I am your judge. And down went the gavel as the boy stood incredulous to the bench. The bailiff approached. He was ready to take the boy to jail when the judge stood up, took off his robe, and left the bench to stand by his son. He said, behind the bench, I am your judge, but here beside you, I stand as your father. And he took out his wallet to pay his son's fine. That's precisely what the Lord did when he left the bench of heaven to come to earth as Jesus of Nazareth to pay our payment, our debt of redemption the price of propitiation. Oh, wow. That's so deep. It is. Yeah. And and it conceptually just blows your mind because you're like, not only is he, is he righteous in this thing, but he's also the one that came to redeem us. Two things that kind of stood out to me as you were describing all that was you described Jesus walking in there and sprinkling his own blood. And if you've ever wondered about that phrase, the finished work of the cross, I mean, you said it, it it's finished because they had to do the animals every year. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, his own son, that that is the finished work. When his blood hit that seat, that's it. No more. Yeah. Yeah. And the second thing that I thought about is um, how, how we must be righteous before a holy God. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, they had to tie a rope around the high priest's leg when he went in there to, to sacrifice the animals or, or to bring the blood in from the yeah. sacrificed animals. But, um, and that, that, that really hits me because I think understanding our sin and how unholy we are without Jesus before God, I don't think it's truly grasped these yeah. days. Um, yeah. All right. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go down this one for a minute. Okay. And uh, <laughs> as soon as Josh sees how dark I'm getting, he'll probably give me about two minutes on the mic. So y'all just bear with me. I got here. my shepherd's staff ready. The hook. <laughs> He's going to, yeah, I wrote my neck away from the mic. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think it's important because every year we approach Easter and, um, you know, pastors and churches, they know that some people are going to show up to church that don't usually come. 
Um, they'll come on Christmas and Easter because yeah, there's a, a heightened interest in spiritual things uh, for whatever reason among people who who aren't even believers. Or it's the wives elbowing the husband saying, please come. True, yeah, whether it be tradition or they're just trying to get them to know God, either mm-hmm. way. But um, I, I, I don't believe that many people have a healthy understanding of what our sin really is. And it's not something as simple as you know, I broke the speed limit and suddenly I deserve eternal damnation in the lake of fire. Yeah. Uh, A lot of times I think people, they don't understand how serious our sin really is. So I want to go, this is a little off the beaten, but you're not going to hear many Easter sermons about what I'm about to say (laughs) here. And uh, Josh can, can clean up after I've made this mess, but I really, I've really felt God lay this on my heart. So just bear with me for a minute on this, but sin is everything evil that we've ever experienced in this world. Every starving person, slaughtered family, abused child, um, the raped, taken advantage of, thrown away like trash, all of this evil is a consequence created by our free will. The simplest sin has a cause and effect, a supply and demand. It's never small. And the way I would like to kind of bring this uh, into your imagination is the butterfly effect. Mm. Um, It's not just a movie. The (laughs) the butterfly effect is, um, it's a term used in in chaos theory, which we're not going to go down that road. But it's, the idea is that a very small change in a complex system can have major repercussions somewhere down the line. And that, my friend, is exactly what sin is. One person's urge to look at pornography can literally cause another human being hundreds of miles away to be lured in front of a camera while their innocence is stripped away. Mm. When God sees the evil of a young girl being abused on camera, he knows that it was birthed by the simple urge of those who clicked on a website. Supply and demand. Simple underhanded comments built up over a lifetime can drive an individual to lash out from depression and shoot up a school or a church. When God sees bullet-filled children in pools of blood, he sees the paper trail of little sins that built up on a mentally unstable person who pulled that trigger. A steady devotion to gaining wealth has caused you to neglect and step on others for so long that the next generation takes it to the next level of greed, leading to all kinds of evil. When God sees the starving poor, he sees the simple maneuvers to gain wealth that the fortunate have hoarded. So sin never stays small. It evolves into a monster. And somewhere down the line, there's repercussions to it. And I, the way I worded all that, I, I know that there's, there's trigger warnings in, in a lot of that. Some people would even take it to the liberal and conservative realm. That's not what this is about. God looked down upon humanity, knowing that our sin created such evil, and he gave us a pure sacrifice, Jesus, who never sinned even one time, and soaked up the wrath that we deserve. So when you see a Christian who is so grateful and outspoken about the sacrifice that Jesus is for us, you're seeing a person who has a very healthy understanding of just how evil they are without Mm -hmm. that sacrifice. And I really felt God lay that on my heart because you don't hear that a lot. And it's so important that we understand our sin is not just breaking the speed limit or having a bad attitude. 
our sin is much, much deeper, and it should point us to why we need Jesus yeah. so much. Yeah. So I really thought I should mention that, and I hope I'm not too down on you there, listener, because it really made me look at myself in the mirror when I was studying that. But um, yeah, why don't you uh, clean up from that, Josh? <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, I've heard it said, and, and I think one pastor said it really, really well, and um, he said, until sin be bitter, our grace will never be sweet. And I think we, we look at sin and sometimes we even, um, I've heard it like this, we keep a pet sin, you know, and as Christians, we're like, well, you know, I can, I can still dabble in pornography or I can, um, I can still, you know, think bad things, or maybe it's the water cooler humor that, you know, it, it goes over the line or whatever it might be. It might be like, um, talking to somebody outside of your marriage Whatever it might be, it's that pet sin. Mm -hmm. And we think God sees it and he knows and I'm going to deal with it. But I love what James says. And James says is that sin, when it's, when it's conceived, it's just a little sin. But it's like raising a full-on mountain lion in your house because eventually that thing is going to kill you. Yeah, And that's what James says in James 1. Uh, 15, it says that when it's full, when it comes to fruition, when it's like full grown, yeah. it brings forth death. And I couldn't help but think of the people that go, well, I don't even know what my sin is. And then you have the, the folks that kind of joke about the Bible and it's like, well, it all started with an apple, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and the truth is, is it did start with a fruit, but it started with temptation. Mm -hmm. And then it started with a willful choice yeah. because Eve was deceived. And then Adam saw the fruit. We don't know it was an apple. That always frustrates me. But Adam yeah. saw the fruit and he knew that God had specifically said, don't eat of this. Yeah. And then Adam took it and willfully ate of it. And with that, all of a sudden, because of that one decision, everything was fractured. Yeah. As I was thinking about that, that James scripture you brought up, I didn't even have this in my notes, but I've got to mention it. So I was reading a John Corson commentary on this, mm -hmm. and someone actually did raise a python in their house Wow, that was, was like a reticulated python that gets those huge ones. Mm -hmm. And he went up to find his... Uh, he, he was looking at his infant to see if it was okay, and he realized it wasn't in its crib. And he ran to his bedroom. It wasn't with his wife. He ran downstairs. That python had gotten out of its cage, and he saw the lump in the oh, belly of wow. the python. And he realized what had happened, and he smashed the head of that snake. And it, it, the story goes on, true story, that he... Um, he ended up getting put in an insane asylum because wow. of what had happened. But John Corson, when he's talking about this whole thing in regards to Jesus' sacrifice for us, he's, we're not only the child that got devoured by that python, we are also that python. Wow. And so when you were just mentioning that, that sin um, that can grow up into a monster like that, I, I couldn't help but remember that commentary. So, yeah. Man, yeah, it's yeah. deep. 
And another way to think about it is, um, so we have grace, right? Yeah. And grace is so beautiful. And, and yet we talk about cheap grace because some people are like, well, God will just look, uh, he'll look past my sin or we have an agreement. Yeah. But um, one pastor said, it's like a jeweler who goes to show one of his finest prized possessions, his finest jewels. What do they put it against the backdrop of? Black, deep, dark velvet. Mm. Because it makes the thing that you're looking at so much more beautiful. And that's what sin is. And I don't think we grasp how bad our sin is. And we don't grasp that, unfortunately, that it actually goes through the blood because of Adam, that it trickled down into every, everyone's infected with it. Everyone is infected with it from the bloodline. And that's why Jesus's birth is so beautiful is that he wasn't from the bloodline of Adam. Like he, you know, he was born of a virgin. So he didn't actually have that sin, you know, in him, that original sin. And so that's a whole nother podcast. But the beautiful thing is, is that we need to, like you said, we need to know what our sin is and we need to not look at it with any bias. We need to to deal with it. And that's what the cross was all about. Yeah. That was why Jesus died was because he said, my sacrifice is the perfect sacrifice. And what I love is that when that fracture happened in Genesis chapter three in the garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, all of a sudden that triggered the greatest rescue mission this world has ever seen. It was better than, yeah. you know, SEAL Team 6. Yeah. It's better than anything, you know, the the miners that were trapped in, um, oh my gosh, Chile. Yeah. You know, Jesus coming as a man, as a human, coming to come and rescue us from our sin, which we had no options. Yeah. That's the greatest rescue mission ever. And I love how that plan was, it was put in place immediately. God knew exactly yeah. what was going to happen. Yeah. Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And then 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That was Jesus's rescue mission. I think of the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the climactic landmark event of all time. You have the Old Testament saints looking forward. You have all of us in the New Testament looking backward. And the cross was the fulfillment of the law, the once and for all payment for sin, the perfect sacrifice that ushered in the new covenant of grace. That's so true. Um, Part of understanding the purpose of the cross is understanding the timing of the cross. Yeah. And that's exactly what that is, the, the old to the new covenant. Um, I'm reminded of Galatians uh, chapter 3. Uh, I believe it starts in verse 19. It tells us some crucial things about how God prepared us for the cross. Um, number one, it's it's just like um, children under the guardianship of parents. Um, the law was given to God's children in order to teach them very basic things. Mm. Uh, people often think of the Old Testament as governed by a completely different God because the law and, and the rules that it required and stuff, people a lot of times will separate uh, almost God's personalities, but this is really no different than a relationship between a parent and a child. 
uh, a dad tells his five-year-old son, don't talk to strangers, the child doesn't reply back with, what's your logic behind that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The child mindlessly obeys this command until they're old enough to see for themselves why this rule exists, which would be the dangers of evil and sin. Mm-hmm. Just like that example, the law was given not only because of transgressions, but also to teach us why the cross to come was the 2.0 and how our sins are removed. So the timing of the cross, old and new covenant, that's that's a really fascinating thing to look at too. It really we is. We still have Jews, you know, Orthodox that are that are stuck behind on that old covenant. Yeah. And uh, I wish they'd see that Jesus, he bridged. Exactly. And... and- in the Passover supper, you know, that's when he takes the bread and he takes the wine and he says, you know, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And, and he ushered in this new covenant. The, uh, it's, it's just sad. It is tragic to see people that are stuck in the old ways. You know, we were talking just about, um, sacrificing animals. I know somebody who loves, um, basically the old Testament law, who was like, I want to sacrifice a sheep. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, it's so wild because I'm like, well, I appreciate how religious you want to be, but it turned my stomach because I'm like, you don't understand. It's over. Jesus paid for it. Yeah. You know, it's not just to him where we sing Jesus paid at all. I mean, his blood literally is the most precious commodity this earth has ever seen. And it was spilled for you and for me. That's so true. And just to, to finish off, um, you know, the law to the new covenant, uh, Galatians 3.21 through 22 says, For if a law had been given, which was able to impart life, then the righteousness would indeed have been based on law. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Wow. And, th- I mean, that's it. It's, it's in Jesus and that's the turning point that, that God that God gave to us. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, when I was preparing for this, I did three R's. You know, being a pastor and all. No. <laughs> so we talked about we talked about rescue. That's original. <laughs> <Just joking. laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it's called uh, homiletics, <laughs> um, which nobody you would need, know better nobody, than me. Nobody needs to know that. Um, <clears throat> so we talked about rescue, and then we talked about redemption, which was through atonement, through propitiation. And then the last thing I'll say is reconciliation. Mm. And um, because of sin, we had become estranged with God, distant. But through his death, he welcomed us back in. And that's what 2 Corinthians 5 says. It says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us by the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And then this is where the verse gets so good because it's back to that propitiation thought. It says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Oh, wow. That's great. I mean, Paul says it so well. Yeah. You know, like even Romans 5, it says... 
but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. That's great. First Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Amen. And then Colossians, uh, I'll just say one more, uh, Colossians one nineteen. it says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated, that means estranged or pushed out or, or distant, alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. That's what the cross accomplished. Yeah. I mean, all those things, it's all wrapped into that one moment, that, that, that point in history where for six hours, Jesus hung on this cruel instrument of death. And you know, it's amazing that we celebrate the cross as much as we do in Christian culture. You know, I mean, my wife loves ornate crosses and she's like, should we put this up, you know, in our house? And we actually have a cross made of horseshoes that's outside our front door. And, you know, and I, I think it's, it's, it's nice. It's very ornate, you know, (laughs) and people can come up and look at it and somebody, you know, melted horseshoes to make it. Yeah. But I don't know if we ever get that, you know, a lot of pastors talk about how awkward would it be if we were to wear like a syringe that is used for, um, you know, lethal injection around our neck, or yeah. if we had a, a electric chair that we that we tattooed on our arm, you know, which crazy person probably would do. Yeah. But I mean, the cross, that's exactly what it would signify, especially to a Jewish person in Jesus's day. Yeah. It was cruel. It was mean. It was the worst form of torture. Because I think about how the Persians invented it, you know, and they used to do the whole, um, uh, they would impale you on uh, a post and then, you know, lift you up and you would die basically by blood loss and through pain. And and they started this tradition or this uh, form of punishment, but then the Romans perfected it. Yeah. And you could, you could be dying on a cross for, for days mm-hmm. and the way that our our savior died was so tragic and so lowly but he chose that death so that we could be redeemed yeah so that we could be reconciled yeah first john 2 2 says he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world yeah and so listener that's you out there Mm -hmm. um Perhaps you haven't made that jump. I don't know. But that verse is talking to you. And this is where it gets real because Jesus in John, where we get our one of our favorite verses, you know, for God so loved the whole world. Mm-hmm. Uh, just before that, he says, and he references the Old Testament in Numbers 21, he says, And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up, 
that whoever believes in him should have eternal life. And then he goes on to say, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that story in Numbers 21 goes that the people of Israel, we know that they're wandering through the wilderness. All of a sudden they start blatantly complaining against God. And God says, you want to complain? I'm going to give you a reason to complain. And some fiery serpents start coming through the camp of Israel and they're biting people. And as they're biting people, they're venomous and people are dying. And so they come to Moses and they say, we've sinned. We realize that we made a mistake. Can you pray for us and ask God to take away this calamity of these venomous serpents? Mm -hmm. And so Moses prays and God instructs him and says, I want you to craft this bronze serpent and I want you to lift it up on a pole. And here's the, here's the thing. If people will, by faith, once they're bidden, come and look at this bronze serpent, mm-hmm. then they'll be saved. But if they, by disbelief, get bidden and then don't come and look at the bronze serpent, then they'll pass. And that's what you're saying is yeah. that Jesus is that bronze serpent. He's a snake bird. Yeah. He, he literally says, by faith, by belief, come and receive the finished, the perfect work that I've done on the cross. You don't have to do anything other than that. Then come by faith and you'll be saved. Yeah. I love I love that typology through scripture and the the just the stuff God puts in there. Exactly. He's been giving us clues the whole <laughs> the time. The whole time. Yeah. Yeah. He, and then and then he and then here Jesus dies on the cross and he is the answer to yeah. everything. He's not super subtle, is he? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's like over here, you know, it's and yeah. I mean Short of writing it in the sky at times, that's how much he's reaching out and that's how much he's trying to get our attention and and that's how free that gift is. Yeah, that's so true. Um, Titus 3, 4 through 7 says, But when the kindness and love of our God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having a hope of eternal life. Oh, man. And that's going to be our next podcast, getting into what what that resurrection meant. Yes. Man, I love that verse. We learned a song in children's ministry that we clapped to, and we used to sing that like verbatim. Sing it for us. No, no. <laughs> I haven't heard it, Josh. <laughs> we'll do it after the show, okay. Stephen. Uh, sorry, guys. <laughs> if we had a Patreon, maybe you could hear it then. <laughs> uh, total joke. All right. I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yeah. I thought you'd never ask me to sing on the show. <laughs> I've been waiting for my moment. (laughs) So the purpose of the cross is rescue, redemption, reconciliation, timing. It's, It's all about Jesus doing what he did, coming for humanity coming yeah. to to restore yeah and so much more than that we yeah. couldn't even put yeah. it we couldn't even put it into into a paragraph here yeah any last thoughts before we we close it up i don't think so i have one last thing to say i wanted to say this the cross is simultaneously complex and simple it serves as an anchor that points us to the past and gives us hope for the future. It serves as a symbol of victorious reversal. The cross, once so hated and feared, is now a symbol that brings hope. 
It reminds us of the death that our Savior died as a payment for a debt we couldn't pay. It gives us strength to walk in grace as we know that the work is finished. Nothing in history will ever be as polarizing as the cross of Jesus Christ. To some it bids come and be reborn as a new creation. To others it is the object of ridicule and disgust as they doubt its legitimacy and plausibility. It is the bridge to our redemption, and we should be forever thankful for the cross of Jesus Christ. Oh, well. And we know the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And I just pray that today, people who are listening, they're they're kind of getting it. They're kind of tracking with us. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, if there's things that are getting kind of pulled on your heartstrings or however you want to phrase it, if you if you're tracking with us a little bit and you 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 feel God talking to you, um, you're not you're not one of those that's in the crowd that that is um, this is foolishness to. Exactly. So. I hope you're listening, and I hope that you do decide to make that jump. And we uh, hope and pray that you stick with us and go through these topics. Yeah. And, um, hey, go to our website, and we have a, a spot there that says No God. And if you're interested, go look. And uh, if you still got questions, keep tracking with us. Yeah, this is a snakebird community. It's not just a podcast where we're only just coming and talking to you. We hope that you're coming back and talking to us. And if you're listening to this and you feel like you want to make a decision or you want to reach out and connect with us, then send us an email. Our email is connect at beasnakebird.com or you can reach us online through Facebook. Um, Facebook Messenger is a really easy way to contact us because the cross of Christ is so essential. And I just want you to know that it's for you and it's for me and it's for the whole world. That's yeah. that's what Jesus came for. And so we we really, really appreciate any feedback that we get. But we also want to talk to you if you have questions. Absolutely. And um, if this podcast has uh, benefited you, chances are it'll help someone else too. So we would really appreciate it if you would share the podcast through uh, social media or um you know, a pigeon, however you want to share us, <laughs> just uh, share us and give us a, a good rating. That'll really help get the uh, the podcast out there to more people. Yeah, I can't help but think that we sound like uh, YouTubers or influencers where it's like, <laughs> share, like, and subscribe. But I mean, if you can, if you can comment on our posts or you can share them, that really helps and it yeah. gets the word out. And, you know, we're, we're growing in our listenership little by little, but we know that um, the more people that we can reach, the more community we can have. And so that's, we're not in this for numbers. We're in this to reach people. Amen. Couldn't couldn't have said it better myself. So hopefully you enjoyed this topic. We're going to come back one more week with another Easter related topic. And then we're going to jump right back into some of our other stuff. And uh, we want to encourage you always remember whatever you do, wherever you go, no matter what life throws at you, there's never been a better time to surrender to Jesus and be a, a snake, snake bird. bird.